That's right. Yeah, that's, I tell you, it just, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good to see him. Uh, and it's going to be great talking to him as long as he doesn't bring up my past. But uh, anyway, hey, take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's good to see you. I, I meant it when I said this morning, and you probably have already figured out, maybe you have, what verse I'm talking about. But this is a passage that I have absolutely fallen in love with. And quite honestly, I could not wait to get to. The title of the message tonight is Amazing Glory, Amazing Grace. Amazing Glory, Amazing Grace. I want to encourage you to bring your Bible. Uh, You know, back in the old days, men and women used to bring their Bibles to the church while the preacher was preaching because they wanted to make sure that the pastor was preaching the Bible. So one of these days, I just might bring up the Quran and start reading, and just, just to see what happens, you know. And, uh, and if you get upset with me, I'll blame it on the fact that we've got three young men that are getting ready to leave, and I don't think it's fair, and they just do. I got to miss you guys, man. I'll tell you what, man. So, hey, let's pray. We're going to have a good time in the Word. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, speak to us. Lord, thank you for your promises. I don't know what we would do without them. It's such a joy to hear your statements, your promises, and recognize that they are every bit for us today as we read our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. So, remember, the Apostle Paul is having a challenge. There are false teachers that are trying to make their way into a church that he planted. And he's trying to tell them in chapter 11, Look, I love you. Don't you understand? They say that they're this and they're that. I am more. I have suffered for you. I have prayed over you. I've cried over you. You can read that in chapter uh, in chapter 11, and I better get there. Here we go. Forgot to move, take my Bible and put it there myself. Okay. So he says, like in verse 23, of 2 Corinthians 11. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, and labor is more abundantly, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequently, and deaths oft, etc. And he gives his, as it were, his resume. Don't you understand who I am? And then he comes in to chapter what we have as chapter 12, after it has been divided up. The scripture has been divided up into chapters and verses. And he says this, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations. Now this is is interesting how he plays this off. The Jews, and remember, these people are contemporaries of his ministry. People that at one time, not only did he minister to, but minister with, excuse me, but he looked up to. Now, they see him as the enemy. 
he's seeking to give the gospel. They were anxious to receive honors. They boasted about what we would call letters of recommendation. That's not Paul. Not anymore. He is telling, and eventually he's getting to something that he has kept buried for 14 years. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. But you stop and consider, he says, I will come to visions and revelations. The Lord, above and beyond what he went through in chapter 11, the Lord gave him, him specifically visions, things that he could see and did see that would benefit his ministry and especially those that he shared these things with. It was by a vision that he was called to Macedonia. When the ministry was difficult in Corinth, God encouraged Paul by a vision, Acts chapter 18. After his arrest in Jerusalem, Paul was again encouraged by a vision from God. Now, we don't need visions today. We've got the complete word of God. This is where the promises are. And I'll explain a little bit more in just a bit. An angel appeared unto him in the midst of the storm when he was on that ship, assured him that he and his passengers would be saved so that he could talk to all 200 plus and say, listen, my God has told me we're going to make it. There's going to be the loss of the ship. There's going to be the loss of what's here. But all of us are going to live. So God gave him visions. God gave him understanding of this time. Now, look at verse 2. I knew a man of the plant, excuse me, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Now, this this is an interesting situation. First of all, the rabbis of this time, they would speak in the third person. If they were speaking about themselves, they would not say, well, I. They would say, well, you know, such and such a person did thus and so. That's what he was doing here. But again, he begins to share something that was absolutely amazing. And again, he kept this under wraps for 14 years. There would be others, I mean, they're right there, they're using it to, you know, self, what, self-aggrandizement, they, to, to boast themselves. They would do that, not Paul. You've got to get the complete picture of what Paul is mentioning here that will be a blessing to us. Now, when did this happen? You know, I used to think, I, I, and I, it's not that I was adamant, but I was just absolutely sure. This took place, <coughs> excuse me, this took place when Paul was stoned. Remember that? And they're standing around Paul. And he's lying there. And he's dead. And then all of a sudden, 
he rises up. And he goes on and he keeps on preaching. Now I'm not so sure. Now there are a few that uh, they believe there's a possibility that this happened at that time. But I have since found out that the majority of commentators, commentators who have cited other commentators who have cited others, they don't believe that's when it happened. That there was a time and there are some ideas about when it took place, um, you know, between his uh, departure from Tarsus and his vision from his visit, excuse me, from Barnabas. So Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter eleven, somewhere there, that they think it took place then. I don't know, but I believe that to Paul it was beyond stunning. It was really something, as we'll hear him. And he didn't necessarily have to go through it while his body literally died. I don't know. The most important thing is what takes place in Paul that we need to take out of this. Well, you'll see what I mean. Look at verse 3. And I knew such a man, he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Let, Let me just stop here, right here. Well, no, first read verse four. How that he was caught up into paradise. The Jews would speak of the third heaven, the place where Jesus, excuse me, where God actually was to them, God. That's paradise. Paul says, that's where I went. Now, imagine, think of it, that one day, whatever the circumstances, God caught Paul up to give him a vision. This is what you're preaching about. This is what awaits all those who trust me. Think about it. We were looking this morning at the great potential of uh, of judgment coming down here. He was looking at what awaits God's people there. Go back to verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. He heard secrets. He heard things that God said, you don't say anything about that. And he didn't. But it was stunning in this fact that God took him. Now, go to verse 5. Of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. Now, think about this. It's amazing glory, but it's not to be his glory. It's God's glory, not his. Verse 6. For though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Think about this. What he learned was this, that no matter what he went through, God was with him. 
that no matter what the situation, he knew where he was going and he knew where he preached. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we how do I say this? Have you ever read your Bible and you're reading the Apostle Paul, not only about him in the book of Acts, but then you're reading some of the letters and you get to thinking, my soul, this guy seems like a super Christian. He wasn't a super Christian, but he was writing, and this is the joy of it all. He was writing to each and every one of us as someone who, like he proclaimed, I know whom I have believed. Why is it that God gave it to him and not one of the other apostles? I don't know. I don't know. But with his gifts, as far as consequence, even though he had difficulties physically, God knew that he would do the job in writing these epistles. That's why they are such a blessing. And honestly, if we stop and think about it, if we talk about it, we can cite verse after verse, passage after passage, you know, account after account that Paul gives that we look and go, that's my promise too. Again, as we'll see tonight, just because he went through that all. How many of you love the promises of God? I don't know what I would do without them. And like I've said, there's a book back there, just a simple little green book. I have given out well over 200 of those. They're five bucks a piece. Don't tell Roger, but though, you know, at five bucks a piece, what's that by two times 250? That's, that's a little bit. But I've given them away because they're the promises of God. And when you can get into God's word and you simply read what he says, like he, we will see here. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. We have a marvelous encouragement in this. Because of Paul, we understand we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's us. That's you. Are you listening? If you're not listening, raise your hand. <laughs> Ephesians 2 tells you you're seated in heavenly places. Don't you ever let anybody tell you different. We have a position of authority and victory. Ephesians 2. We haven't seen the glory of God like Paul did, but we share in it. Not only does John tell us that, but Paul does as well. Now, again, this is a situation that would have made a lot of people proud. <laughs> you think you're something? God took me to heaven. It was God. It wasn't some, you know, yeah, some underling like a president or a pope or an emperor or whatever. No, it was God. That wasn't Paul. But you know something? There was a price to it. God honored him, but then God humbled him. Now, I was thinking about what we were looking at this morning, the potential, the possibilities of coming. How many of you praise God for what we have here in America? 
I'm telling you, you've heard me say it a hundred times. I praise God for indoor plumbing and air conditioning. It's great. Air conditioning's wonderful. Flush toilets. McDonald's. Well, maybe not McDonald's. Not Chick-fil-A. <laughs> no, there are things here. And I got to thinking about this. You know, again, preaching that this morning and then looking at this, what if God humbled the Christians in America before the world? I mean, you stop and consider how interconnected we are. All of a sudden, one day, the lights don't come on. The water doesn't run. The stores are closed. Are we going to panic like everybody else? Or are we going to tell people, you know, I'm still trusting God? You, you think about that. That's a muscle that we really haven't had to exercise much. And I know there's some things that we would miss, but I wonder what would happen. You say, well, if the electricity's off, people around the world aren't going to find out how we're responding. Yeah, maybe not, but maybe. Maybe. Suffering is something that we don't like to think about. Paul had no choice. Look at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You know, the word that translates thorn there means a sharp stake used for torturing or impaling someone. I don't think of thorn when I, you know, when, when I read that, but Paul used the word that means that. They, he was given a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Like God allowed Satan to work on Job, God allowed Satan to do things on Paul. What they were, I don't know. He said he did it though. Look at the last part of verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure. <laughs> you know what I would do? Lord, I promise. I won't be. Just take it. Now. And by the way, he did. But it was like, Lord, listen, I Boy, they were good. But Lord, please, please, I, I, I'm not just... Take it away. Take it away. Isn't it funny? No, it's not funny. The body, what it does sometimes. We're out shooting yesterday. Now, I have tinnitus. And if there's something that comes along that's a loud noise, so we're there on the range, and without telling us, I've got my ear thing out. Brad, I don't think you had yours on as well. Tim brings his pistol up and pulls the trigger. And I'm telling you, the phone has been ringing nonstop ever since. My ears are ringing. How many of you are reminded daily of at least one check engine light that has come on in your body that you have to deal with every day? Yeah, exactly. 
Sometimes, you know, it gets kind of it gets kind of tough. You know what? Sometimes we suffer simply because we're human. I'm looking around. I look over here at Lynn and Larry. We've changed in 31 years, haven't we? <laughs> you know, you get you, you get to looking at people that you've worked with for a long time and you think that person's going to be a challenge. <laughs> you change. The same body that used to work well played football. Somebody was asking me, when were you playing football? Long time ago. You know? Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I moved here. There was a, there was a, uh, there was a neighbor that I wanted to do some concrete for, to open a door, you know, maybe give them the gospel. So I did some concrete for them. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I've done some concrete here. It was a long time ago. Uh, and it was, you know, you could kind of take it easy, but you, when you're trying to impress a neighbor, oh, boy. And so it was like, you know, that's my, that's my last concrete situation. You know as well as I do. We get to the point where the, the, the left shoulder that used to have such a good fastball can't hardly lob it now. Sometimes we suffer. We've got to face it. Sometimes we suffer because we're disobedient. We don't sing like Rod sang this morning. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. <laughs> we weren't believing that day and to show us something. King David suffered because of his sin. Rebellion, because it's of the, that's the same thing as the sin of witchcraft, you just stop and think, this is how God sees it. But suffering can also be something where God grows us. Oh, you've got to be kidding. No, we've got to listen to Paul some more. It was physical affliction that Paul was dealing with to the point that he says, you know, Satan came along to buffet me on this. The word buffet means to beat, to strike with a fist. It wasn't a thing of, you know, coming along and hitting him in the back of the head with a pillow. Sometimes God just allows suffering because of the benefit. But no, there can't be a benefit. Yeah, there can be. Look at verse 9. God humbled him, but in the humbling, God helped him. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So he brings it up. Most gladly, therefore, will I in my infirmities. Now look at this. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love that verse. I think, and I've mentioned this before, I've stressed it before, but I'm going to stress it again. 
There are times that we pray and we ask, no, we beg God to do something, to be there for us in something. And the fact is, we're not listening to the word because he's already there for it. How many times have we prayed, Lord, give me grace in this situation? Now, grace is unmerited favor. It's him giving to us that which we don't deserve. That, you know, we haven't earned it. It's because of him. God, through Paul, tells us, my grace is sufficient. Present tense. Folks, you never have to pray for God's grace. It's already there. Well, no, wait, wait a minute. I got, no, 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 no. Don't make a liar out of God. My grace is sufficient. Are you born again? Say amen. You've got God's grace. I have God's grace. Yeah, but, you know, maybe I'm being an idiot. Well, maybe you are being an idiot, but God's grace is still there. He's going to convict you. He's going to seek that you get back in fellowship, but that's part of God's grace. Now stop and consider it. There are, I'm telling you, I have loved the times that I've woke up in the morning and my first thought is 2 Corinthians 12.9. I love it. His grace is sufficient. I don't have to beg God to be with me. He's already there. I don't have to beg God for the work that he can do in my life. It's already being done. That's another reason why I love Philippians 1.6 so much. Every waking moment, my God, your God, is at work in us. Do we realize the blessing of that? Paul was suffering. God allowed it. Paul came to the Lord asking the Lord three times to take it away from him. He says, my grace is present tense for the moment, right now, any moment, while you're here, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? Yours. Mine. Lord, I can't. I know you can't. That's why my grace is sufficient. But Lord, this is a tough situation. I know it is. It's no surprise to me. But your need has been met, he says, because I have come and in your weakness I have brought my grace. And because of that, you can go through it. That's what he told Paul. Listen to this. In John 1, we hear, and of his Christ fullness, have we all received, and grace for grace. We get grace just to get the grace. It's there. His grace is sufficient, and his grace 
is strengthening. Therefore, look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure. Now, now listen, let, let's... Paul had these things that were stunning. But the fact of the matter is, Paul is up higher saint. He's, he's nothing like that. He's a brother in Christ that was given these things. And what is happening here is he is sharing with us what he went through. And he's trying to get us to realize the blessing to the point that he says, you know, there were these things that I went through. I asked the Lord three times, please take it away. But because of the grace of God, he now says, I take pleasure in it. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for this reason, are you listening? When I'm going through these things, when I'm weak, I'm strong. You know why? Because I, my God said, my grace is sufficient. Now look, in some respects, I feel funny in talking about this from the pulpit because I'd love for us to all be sitting around in a circle going, man, praise God, isn't that great? How many of you have needed God's grace in the last year? Hello. How many of us maybe we're going to need it a whole lot more? Is God mad at us? Now seriously, think about it. Is God mad at us? He's so busy on another uh, on another part of the planet that he's going to forget the Christians in America because, well, you know, they, they went the way of their brothers and sisters in Europe. <clears throat> God doesn't do that. Folks, there is never going to be a time when God's grace lacks. And as we meditate on these things, and we pray through them, maybe there's going to be an opportunity for us to realize that you know what? When I'm weak, I'm strong. The world isn't going to teach us that. The world's going to get us caught up into different things, and next thing you know, we're, we're, we're in, the, in the realm of what it can do for us. I love that story of Al Bracca this morning. Here was a guy that was busy in a company that was making millions and possibly billions, all kinds of people. But he had the reputation. They called him the Rev. And when the time came for ultimate, the, the, the ultimate price, dying, there, and he's saying, I'm going to heaven. Who's going with me? Can you imagine he has been in heaven now with people who made fun of him? Maybe even got upset with him at times. But you know what? They have been rejoicing ever since September 11, 2001. 
that God's grace met with them. I love this. Amazing glory. Paul saw it. But oh, amazing grace. Look at verse 10 again. Therefore, I take pleasure. Stop and think about it. We're going to have challenges in the future. There's going to be things that will not be pleasant. There's going to be situations and the circumstances where people do us wrong, where people seem to be a drain, when it just it's hard, and then you add to that the physical situations that you wind up going through, just like Paul did. But he said, I take pleasure in it. The infirmities, the reproaches, the necessities, the persecutions even, for Christ's sake. He had a choice. He didn't have to. But he chose to follow the Lord. And for this reason, God honored him. And he realized, my soul, when I'm weak, then am I strong. What was it that Paul went through? You know, on the one hand, God, excuse me, Paul went to the Lord and said, Lord, give me a substitution. I don't want to go through this. Lord, give me this. Take this away from me. I know what you, I think I know what you're trying to do in my life. Lord, don't allow Satan to do this. Lord, maybe do this to me. This is too hard. He wanted a substitution. What he got was transformation. The situation, the hurt did not change. God changed him. You listening? God changed him. Again, I, I, don't, I don't like it to suffer. But I recognize that there might be a time down the road when me, you, any one of us, or all of us wind up in a situation where we don't want to be in it. But we're going to stop we're going to claim the promises and we're going to rejoice is sufficient we don't live on explanations why remember we this morning lord why we don't live on explanations we live on promises we live on promises and when the lord told him that in verse you what a joy James tells us hey grace every situation he giveth more grace I love that word rest rest is a good four letter word the Greek word there literally means to spread a tent over His banner over me is love. 
and he is over me, protecting me. Paul won the victory. Paul won the victory. Not through substitution, but transformation. And you know something? That's why we gather together. Sunday after Sunday, and that's why we read our Bibles daily and we pray. Because God needs to do the job in each and every one of us. There's not a one of us, me included, that has arrived. Hadn't happened. I still need to grow. You want to really know about that? Talk to my wife. We all need to grow. The joy that awaits us is worth the journey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for these folks. We love them. Lord, for each and every one of them, I pray that you, in your mercy and grace, would bring us along in that growth. We don't know what awaits us, but Lord, we're so glad that you do. Lord, your way, we're told, is perfect, and indeed it is. We're told that, Lord, that which Paul saw, one day we will be in the midst of. What a joy that is. Lord, there are folks here that are going through some challenges, some challenges maybe I don't even know about. There's things physical, there's other things, maybe relationships, a job situation, medical situation, whatever it might be. But you're bringing things into our lives whereby we need to realize that you work in us not just to do a substitution of a situation or a circumstance, but a transformation in our lives. Lord, continue it. We're so thankful for your grace. And we're thankful that at any given moment, in any circumstance, in any 